Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the first time in a long time I've been able to sit down and do an actual podcast. Welcome to the second episode ever of the ERL podcast, the only podcast where elbows are legal and the only way that abbreviation actually makes sense, kinda. I am back in the studio today. My co-host is not with me. I'm going to get him on later with a Skype call. Um, he's currently on a small island of Besed. Um if you guys get that joke, that's cool. If not, uh, you're not in the cool club. Uh, but uh, let's go ahead and dive right into it. I got my co-host on a Skype call, so we do talk about um, a lot of things that we've missed over the past couple weeks, such as Fight Island 3 and the Tyson uh, upcoming Tyson fight, so that is kind of covered. So I kind of just want to dive in to the upcoming uh, UFC fight night on ESPN Plus, I believe, or just ESPN. I think it's just, I think it's ESPN Plus. It's the uh, Brunson versus Shabazian. I hope I said that right. Um, and it is a fantastic card. A lot of people on that card. Um, I'm just going to go over the two, the top two fights, in my opinion, are the uh, two most valuable ones. You do have a lot of people on the card that are going to be very impressive um, as far as their performance goes. But honestly, I think um, the, top, the the main event and the co-main event, if you will, um, probably have the most value or the most weight to that fight. So let's just dive right into it. Let's start with the co-main event. I am a, a, a big fan of uh, one of the two ladies that is fighting. So let's just go ahead and say it. <clears throat> Uh, the co-main event, uh, Calderwood versus Maya, is going to be pretty interesting to see how this goes because I do think um, the way this is structured, this is number four, no, number five versus number six in the uh, women's division, uh, women's strawweight, strawweight division, and I'm a big fan of uh, Calderwood. So I kind of want to see how she's going to do against Maya because I know Maya has a little bit of a boxing background. It's going to be interesting to see these two ladies fight. Um, honestly, I do think Calderwood might take her just because she has an advantage with the uh, Muay Thai that she does have. But Maya has that boxing background, so you don't know. And I know she was a former Invicta champion, so that does make you wonder how is Calderwood going to deal with that. But I don't know. I don't know how that would uh, that play out. I do want to watch both of them. Um, I am going to be paying attention to that fight normally um, with these women strawweight fights and most of the women's division, it's kind of lacking in talent, but I do think these two are um, pretty even when it comes to it. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think one's going to capitalize on the other. I, I, it's going to be an interesting matchup between the two. I do think, um, I think Calderwood might be able to pull it out. I do think Calderwood might be able to pull it out. Um, Maya, I, I don't really have a lot of faith in that she'll be able to overcome Calderwood's stand-up, especially with the Muay Thai and uh, the, just the striking in general. But you never know. Um, but best of luck to both women. And then we have the uh, and then we have the main event of uh, Bronson versus Shabazian, which I hope I said that right. Um, so. You know what? Let's just call him Edmund for the rest of the uh, the podcast because uh, I don't want to keep making fun of his name. Um, it's a lot easier to say Edmund. 
Uh, Edmund did come is coming off a uh, very impressive KO against Brad Tarvis. Um, I didn't see, like I've watched the fight recently and I didn't see a setup to the head kick. He uh, viciously head kicked uh, Tarvis when he came out of the clinch. And I didn't really see any setup, so I don't know if it was just kind of throwing it in there or if it was like a spur-of-the-moment thing or maybe he saw something because they did clinch once or twice and coming out of it. Um, maybe he saw something. I don't know. But Shabazian is very interesting because they're, they're giving him a big push, as they would say in uh, wrestling terms or kayfabe terms if you, if you want to go that route. Uh, but I do think it's it's very interesting to see the possibilities going forward. And uh, and Brunson, um, you know, he's a very uh, interesting guy. He's been in the UFC for quite some time at this point. And he's kind of, like, in my opinion, one of the gatekeepers of that division because everybody that he's faced that uh, of, of notable name, he is lost to. And they were all, like, former champs or future champs. Anderson Silva, uh, Whitaker, Izzy. Um, there's a lot of people that he's faced where when he does lose in pretty interesting fashion or uh, does go to decision, I don't think he went to decision with the, the people he lost. I think he just, like, got finished. I'm, I have to pull up his uh, his record to actually tell you. But I do know he lost to a lot of a lot of notable people. So it's kind of like, a, a, in my opinion, it's kind of like a, a, a Marcus Brimage situation where uh you know for a while there if if you came into the UFC and you got the push and you were able to beat Marcus Brimage you were essentially uh that that was like a fortune teller a fortune cookie you know it it, it told what you were going to do cuz eventually you would be a UFC title holder um so maybe maybe that's what it, what it is maybe this is maybe this is uh, the thing should maybe we should just start betting on Shabazian because uh you know, he beat, if he does beat Brunson. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens in the middleweight division going forward. Because I know if if uh, Edmund beats Derek, he's going to get pushed. He's going to be thrown in the spotlight. He's going to, he's, because also on top of that, it's no secret because they've been promoting it for the last week or so. That he is uh, one of Rousey's people. I think that she's technically his manager. Not a hundred percent on that. I know she he trains in the same gym and he's got the same boxing coach. So maybe that's what it is. He's just got a backing, and they're like, "Oh, Rousey vouches for him, so we might as well put him in there." But uh, who knows? Let's see. Oh, I got the the call coming in. Hold on. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as I said earlier in the show, we would get the uh, greatest blitz ball player ever, who's currently uh, all the way from the state island. He's quarantined there. Uh, my co-host, this guy. What's going on? So uh, you caught the uh, last uh, fight night, right? Uh, UFC fight night, uh, what, what was it? 174, the uh, Whitaker and Till were it. Just gonna call it Fight Island. Fight Island Three. There we go. We can go Fight Island Three. I mean, I think it's what it was. I, I'm assuming that's what they were doing anyway, because every time they, the last three fight cards, they advertised Fight Island like it was the greatest thing ever. Yeah, you know. So where do you want to begin, man? 
card. Depends on where you want to begin. I mean, the undercard wasn't really all that great to me. I had a few fights on it, but yeah, I could have taken it or leaving it. Well, the prelims are all right. They weren't that bad. I caught uh, the last uh, two on the prelim before uh, I realized it was on. Um, so I didn't see the first half for the most part of the uh, actual fights. I do know there was um, a couple knockouts and a good submission. I watched mm-hmm. that one. Who was on the undercard? I mean, because I kind of got them all. I watched them all, like, off and on. I have a lot of traffic in the house on that day. But uh, if I pull up the card, that'll draw. That'll jog my memory real quick. All right, yeah, there we go. I remember now. I wasn't really watching until the the main card. I watched them all. I just I wasn't really paying attention to it too much. The only one that really got my attention was the uh, Francisco Trinaldo fight because of the ending on it. The ending was kind of... Eh. If he, I missed the first three fights all the way up to like Bechcoea. Yeah. I jumped in whenever Tanner Bozer fought. That's the one I jumped in on. So I missed the first three, but I got the rest of them. I don't blame you. It was a very long card. Uh, a lot of people on this one card, which was crazy. Usually they, they do that for bigger cards, not a fucking fight night on ESPN, you know? Yeah. You save those things for pay-per-view. But um, the first fight I got in on was the Tanner Bozer fight, and I liked it, man. Bozer did a really good job. Kept I like Bozer. Pessoa? I, I like Pessoa? Him. Yeah. I think it was his name. Pe- Pessoa? Pessoa? Yeah, Pessoa. Brazilian, I think. Yeah, he kept uh, Pessoa away. I loved it. Yeah, Tanner Bozer's I actually like... getting a lot better. I mean, the first two fights I saw with him, I thought he was going to be something to <clears throat> in the heavyweight division, but... I think it's going to take a little time for him to build, but he's got a lot of potential, in my opinion. I, I think he's probably going to be something, a notable name in the future. Mm, I don't see him being a top fiver without significant game changes, but I definitely think definitely think he's going to be top ten easy. The guy's. I, really think if he, I think if he keeps going and he gets one or two more wins, he'll he'll be able to change a lot of stuff that he's doing, be able to like maybe change cap, camps and go to a bigger one and... If he takes his career super serious, like he could be something. Right. Do you want to touch on the Trinaldo, Dan Hardy, Herb Dean BS that was happening or still happening? No, I think uh, it's probably been done to death on every MMA website because like you, you log on to Twitter and they, they blow that so much out of proportion yeah. regardless of what it is. Like it, I, it, I love Twitter for like the information I can find on it, but MMA Twitter, man, they, these guys are either 1 or 11. They're like yeah. for it or they're totally against it, and it's crazy, well, man. There's nobody in, never, There's very few people in there seeing both sides of the, the spectrum here. You're never allowed to have an opinion online to begin with, and yeah. if you do have an opinion, it's automatically wrong to somebody. <laughs> I agree. I, yeah. Like, what... I like having a conversation with somebody. I don't like being yelled at about how my opinion's wrong, even though it it's my opinion. To it. It's not like I'm stating fact to you, right? I didn't say this is specifically the exact thing, but like, come on, man! Like, I, I'm allowed to have a like we're allowed to have a back and forth. It's not just one way. True, my opinion on the whole Dan Hardy thing. Dan Hardy was definitely in the right from his angle. He's he's a fighter. He's a former fighter. He's trying to come back. He's seen people get just annihilated and there is a point where you're you know your emotions get the better of you and you react but 
I do still think if you go and watch it again, Herb saw what looked like a de- he was mounting a defense, took a few seconds to analyze it, and then he jumped in. I mean, he could have done it faster. Yes, Hardy should have kept his mouth shut and waited till he had a chance to talk to Herb off the side, man. But the one thing I'm really disliking right now with the current state of MMA is <clears throat> I kind of like the COVID stuff because we, we can hear what the corners are saying, but I definitely do think the whoever's on the mic that night, whether it be Anik, Florian, Bisping, it doesn't matter who it is, man. I think they're definitely being heard over the crowd a lot more than we would normally hear, obviously. But I think that's also influencing a lot of more people than than it should be. Because, you know, I see it from Dan Hart's perspective. It might have been a late call. It might have been a late stoppage. But the guy, even to me, watching it live, it looked like he was trying to defend himself for a second before before it was obvious he wasn't defending. He was knocked out. You know, every, you know, it, every ref... Uh, especially in the UFC, those are high-level reps. And Herb's probably the best at it. He's been at it probably the longest out of anybody currently doing it. And he was trained by the best people, and he's ref these high, high-level fights. And, you know, every ref's made a mistake. No one's perfect. But, you know, it's also, you sit there and you watch, and you go, well, regardless, if you do have a disagreement with the ref, take a second afterwards when you're not, on camera and talk to him like hey why exactly did you do that or this because i guarantee you if you flip that and say dan hardy makes a very shitty call he he says something on air he's not supposed to and dana white were to go over there and interject and scald him right there in front of everybody and even on mic uh dan hardy would be pissed about it yeah i mean it's a touchy subject, man. One's a passionate fighter, former fighter, too, and the other one's doing his job. I mean, bad calls get made, but man, at the end of the day, man, it is what it is. Guy got up, walked away. Can't hate him. Like, <laughs> I, I like Hardy. His breakdown's really good. He's a good analyst. I mean, third times, though, you got to keep your opinion to yourself. You know, it, I think what really caused Dan Hardy to get emotional and really, really upset in that moment was because earlier in the night there was a late stop or, uh, yeah, a, late stoppage that uh everybody was kind of obvious on that one like dude why are you not jumping in and for you know this one to be a second one of the night dan hardy's kind of upset about it so i get it but at the end of the day man we gotta we gotta keep those feelings in check nobody's perfect though i'll give dan hardy as much credit as anybody else <clears throat> all right so you want to go into the uh the main card here and actually yeah. get into uh What's what on this thing? Uh, I first started watching it because uh, it was off and on again. I missed the first fight, uh, which I probably shouldn't have because it was KO. I heard it was pretty decent. Uh, I turned it on on Legit. the uh, Oliveira fight, which he just flat out dominated. Sabata? Yeah. Sabata. There was definitely a, uh, a gap in ability between the two, and uh, Oliveira just kind of dominated the whole thing for, in my opinion, all three rounds. I don't think he, Sabata really had a chance. He really didn't. Oliveira was just all over him. He was just picking him apart. I, it kind of looks like something, somebody or an animal that's playing with their food. Yeah, basically. Uh, I'm not going to say Sabata's next... bad. 
he was just in that moment clearly outmatched. Oh yeah, for sure. Experience. You know, Oliveira Oliver is hungry. He's got like ninety kids. He need he needs to be able to win. <laughs> so the uh, the next fight was uh, Paul Craig versus a Russian guy. I'm not even going to attempt to say his name, but I'll try. <laughs> Anti Gulov works for me. I'm Man, pretty sure that's how you say when these guys talk about themselves. So. Right. Anyway, it was a uh, tall, linky uh, Scotsman versus a Russian. And uh, honestly, going into this one, I thought the Russian would have him. I thought the Russian would get him. Uh, but the tall, linky Scotsman managed to slip on a, a beautiful triangle out of nowhere. And it wasn't even the best submission of the night, even though it was probably the slickest. And it managed to get him in the right position to slip on the, uh, the triangle from the bottom. It was very impressive. I liked it. And uh, I think that makes him tied with the most uh, submission wins in the light heavyweight division in the UFC. I think he's got, I think the stat that flashed on the TV was three out of the five freaking triangle holds that he, he, he they're all accounted to him. Yeah, that was a, a very great uh, light heavyweight fight. Yeah, for for Paul Craig to do what he did off his back is really impressive. So I look forward to him snagging at least one more in his career because apparently it seems like nobody ever sees it coming. I think it's good. Um, you know, I I know he's a light heavyweight, but honestly, I think he could probably go up to heavyweight in time. Yeah, I see it. I, th- I think he could. I think he'd be very good as a as a heavyweight. Um, however, um, it just depends on if he can take that power. Uh, but after that light heavyweight bout, uh, you had a woman's strawweight, um, which honestly, I think most people, unless you were super into women's MMA. Um, didn't really care for. They're two big names in the uh, women's strawweight division. I get it, but I didn't pay too much attention to Carla Esparza versus uh, Reno Rodriguez. Honestly, when I turned it on, I thought it was uh, Macy Barber from a distance because I was on the (laughs) other side of the room and uh, Marina had her hair up. And I was like, oh, is that Macy? I didn't know she was fighting tonight. And then, no, it was regular old Rodriguez. Um, I mean... There's no no discredit, discrediting the ladies that fought, but I mean it's kind of like whenever I see Carla Sparza fight, I'm not uninterested. I'm just as interested in it as I am as a Usman fight or a um, uh, who's the other guy I was gonna say um, Curtis Blades. I'm just there's <laughs> there's nothing to really watch there. You know what they're gonna do? They're gonna try to wrestle wrestle them to the ground, and you know that's where they're gonna do their business. So. I'm not uninterested in wrestling. I'm really interested in like high level wrestling because it's very, very technical and it's fun to watch. But whenever you're waiting, but you you, you don't have to grab some high level wrestlers. Yeah, I know that's what I'm saying. But when you have somebody like Carla, just go and get outboxed for a little bit, and then grab a girl and put her on the ground for a while, and then get up and then get outboxed for a little bit and grab her and put her on the ground again. It's like, all right, man, this is gonna be a lather, rinse, and repeat. We just this is really gonna go to the judges, and it did again. Carlos Pars is good about going to the judges, so she got the that decision, walked out. I don't a, knock the method of trying to get the win. Fights, right? It's when she goes to judges, yeah, over and over. It's, it's like she's a decision fighter. It seems like I don't think she's really finished she, anybody except for maybe a safe, like a submission. Fighter. She's a safe fighter. She tries to take the le- least amount of damage, even though God, there's times she walks Heather looking like a punching bag, man. Yeah, look, look, most of her her wins. Our decision. Look at that. Makes sense, though. She's that's her game plan. Oh, oh, she's got a submission in the UFC. Against who? 
Uh, against Rose. Oh, yeah, she submitted Rose. She got one submission win in the, the UFC because that was the uh, the Tough Enough final. Uh, or, sorry, the Ultimate Fighter. I don't know why. I always say Tough Enough. That was the WWE thing. The Ultimate Fighter final. Um, <laughs> it's a Ford then, commercial, too, uh, wasn't it? And then, other than that, the only time there was a finish in her career was when someone knocked her out. Oh, other than that, it goes decision after decision, even when she loses. It's yeah, I mean, which I completely see man like every time see, that's what i'm saying it's like watching usman and curtis like i know what's going to happen so I, it, it'll be on i'll be watching it but it'll be in the background like oh she didn't get knocked out this time guess we're gonna go to decision again so i'll just gloss over that fight apparently who was next was that the uh um... <laughs> did you have anything important you wanted to say about the uh no as far as okay and then we go into um in my opinion probably one of the uh best arm bars in the heavyweight division I thought about this today. Fabrice, if you don't know, it's Fabrice Verdum versus uh, Alexander Gustafsson or Gustafsson, depending on how uh, American you want to say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on which commentator talks. Uh, Verdum, I thought about this. He has probably the two greatest submission wins in MMA heavyweight history. Fedor? He's got the win over Fedor, right? Where he... He timed it perfectly, threw up the triangle when Fedor was coming down with that elbow and uh, dethroned the Emperor there. And he's got the greatest armbar in heavyweight history, in my opinion, which I think you can probably agree, uh, especially after watching the sequence, because uh, they were talking about it today on uh, one of the the Gracie videos they put out from the moment he took uh, Gustafsson down to the moment he threw in that arm bar was uh, 60 seconds. Yeah, and right? he was also working the whole time. He was just doing everything he could to get that arm isolated, and it was beautiful. The way he performed the, that was very beautiful. The The trapping he did, the the way he controlled uh, Gustafsson on his back and then slipped in the, the leg over his head from the far side, uh, first of all, very flexible, for especially for a big man to do that. Um, but to just to set it up the way he did and then to finish uh, was almost textbook. It was very impressive uh, to watch. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I was uh, a little nervous for Verdun, or Verdun to come back and put on a fight. I was like, all right, man. He got off the announcer's booth. Let's see what he's going to do. And he, he went out there, and he he showed us what he's still in it, man. Even at a heavyweight, was he on pushing 40 almost, like like some of the dinosaurs in that fucking division? And then we'll get to that one in a second. And then, uh, yeah, you know, and then uh, to go up against Gustafson, who's actually moving up, who's a really good light, light heavyweight contender for the belt for all these years and put on a clinic against him. Really, man. I don't I don't think this is the end for him. I still think they, they both have a lot to, to do. I think Verdum, I know this might be uh, his final UFC fight. I know they were alluding to that, um, but I, I think he might go somewhere else. And try it, why not? You know, I'm 100% sure if he goes over to uh, one championship for the heavyweight, he'd probably uh, he'd probably beat, uh, I think it's Brandon Vera as their heavyweight, which was, he was fairly decent in the UFC, but I don't think he would be able to withstand Verdum as far as Verdum's ground game. But you never know. Um, I know he could probably beat most people in Bellator um, for, you know, for... Pete's sake, they had, the last time I watched a heavyweight fight in Bellator, one of the guys was uh, working at a meatpacking plant the week before. 
Jesus. So I, I don't necessarily think they have the greatest competition when it comes to heavyweight fights. Um, so I don't know exactly. I, they're, they're, their heavyweight division is lacking, and I'm pretty sure if he goes over to Bellator, he'll get that belt, no problem. And then uh, Alexander here, this is his first run at heavyweight ever. I don't think he had, even in uh, the amateurs or when he was like, I think he was a boxer beforehand. But I don't think he was even a heavyweight then. I think he's always been a light heavyweight. And I think putting him against a former champ as his first heavyweight uh, go was probably the wrong move. But it also puts into question because the last time he fought, he said he really wasn't into it anymore. And then I don't know what got him back into it. So maybe it's a question of whether he's, he's still motivated to actually fight. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, his um, his skill set is actually probably going to be very welcomed up in heavyweight just because heavyweights, man, it's... There's not that many people that wrestle in it, so that's a you know a stand and bang class, and the dude likes to like to stand up and fight. So I'm looking forward to see what he does up there. And as long as Jones doesn't come up to heavyweight, he should be okay in the top five if he doesn't take the belt. His his Achilles is always going to be Jones, so let's just hope Jones doesn't go up to heavyweight for that sake. So actually, the uh, next fight is a fight I've always wanted to see. It's two dinosaurs fighting, and unless you're watching Jurassic Park, you're never really going to see it. So, so it's uh, Shogun versus uh, Nogera. Um, pride lovers all over the world united for this one. Um, be clear what pride you're talking about. The uh, LGBTQ75 uh, plus SD5 sounds like a scientific classification for some disease. Is that the right one we're talking about, or is there a different one? Uh, I was talking about like Pride, the fighting organization Pride. The yeah. the one that uh, started off as a, a regular fighting organization and then turned out to the Yakuza was uh, fucking everybody over for, for a very long time. I mean, that was neither here nor there. They never confirmed that. So uh, this was their third fight. Um, they had a fight in Pride. They had a fight when they came to the UFC about five years ago. And then they had a fight uh, Saturday. All of them, uh, Shogun won. I mean, in that fight, there wasn't really anything crazy that happened in that fight, man. It was just like, there was a couple like big shots that they both landed. A few but, big shots through the whole thing, but it was mostly... Okay, dude. What did I tell you while we, were, while, while we were watching it live? I was like, minute in, not a single strike thrown. I was like, all right, this is going to be a Lewis and uh, Ngannou fight again. Yeah, I mean, like, there was a couple of big shots here and there, but for the most part, it was them dancing around and Shogun having control of the center, and that was it. Other than that, Nogueira was backing up and then, like, trying to counter-strike. And he did, he did get Shogun once twice, but... Shogun just had the center of the octagon for most of, them, most of it and was popping shots. So, yep, fight went his way, just like he did the other two times. So, uh, after that, of course, you had the main event, which was uh, Robert Whitaker. I don't know if you've ever guys ever heard of him, uh, versus uh, Dar- Darren Tile. Darren Tile? Yeah, Darren Tile. <laughs> <laughs> Darren Tile, um, and Tile, of course, uh, lost that one and went a decision uh, as a round five uh, decision, and it was pretty much how I expected it was going to go. Um, then both of them dancing around the whole time. It was a very technical fight if you think about it. Till was trying to counter, and Whitaker Till, Darren Till. I know you called him Tile Til. for com- comedic purposes. 
I know you call them purposes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Darren Till. Till was very, very much trying to counter him the whole time, and that was usually works. But Whitaker was being a different type of aggressive than he usually was. He would he'd rush in and he would try to he'd go low like he's going to angle pick him or you know go for a single, and then he would just come up high and they, they had some they had a few clashes the elbows and hits there. But Whitaker won most of the exchanges and you know sealed the deal and the decision. Man, I mean, I didn't think. I think Till won the first round, and then Whitaker w- went from there. I had it at at the end of the day. I think I had a four-one Whitaker on that fight. Uh, it's, I don't even think I would have scored Till around. I think for the most part, I would have. Well, gave he had it that all. knockdown in the first, and there wasn't much action from Whitaker in the it, first. It, uh, so the, the, the first round definitely the, went to Till. If depending where the judges were and if they were paying attention, it just looked like. They just bumped into each other. He like shoulder checked him. It wasn't really like a like elbow. a full. The left. Elbow. I don't think it was an elbow. He brought the el- it yeah, he more- brought the elbow and then whenever he rushed in and he he caught him clean with it. It wasn't enough to do like a stun, but it was definitely enough to knock him down, and it counts. So the first round, I would definitely give him the till, because uh, even whenever Whitaker went to the corner, he was asking, "What did he hit me with?" They thought they thought he hit him with the left, and they reviewed it and got him with an elbow. To to me, it looked more like a shoulder, but I, you know, I watched the fight one time. <laughs> yeah, it usually takes a couple for me to like pick out certain things, but uh, it, it, it unless you score that round first round for for Till, the rest of it was all Whitaker. I mean, like he was just on fire that night, and it, it makes you wonder, like if if that Whitaker would have came in uh, against Izzy. And it was a little more calculated as far as like going in, how that would have turned out. You know, it makes you this makes you wonder how uh, if this version were to have actually fought uh, Izzy at at that point, not a guy who was coming off of like what two different surgeries. Yeah. It makes you wonder how that would have happened. But yeah, I would love to see him and Izzy rematch one day, even if it's not for the belt, but just to see that, just to see how it goes, because Whitaker oh, definitely. Yeah. Whitaker is definitely a top contender, which he's proven time and time again. And for him to go out there whenever he got pieced up by Adesanya, I really think that was an emotional fight for him. He wasn't in his head, but it did definitely show the difference in his mindset coming into this one, taking a break off, getting healed up, and then jumping back into the gym and starting getting the flow again. Because he was a lot more calculated than I've seen in his other fights on this in this particular one until looked like he was having a hard time because Whitaker was actually doing a really good job mixing it up. He'd go low, then go middle, then go high, then go middle, then go high, then go low, and it it was just it was it was it was a brilliant game plan by him to keep Till on his back toes and like trying to figure him out the whole time and just never coming up with a set pattern. You know, he'd one two one two one two three 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 two. I mean, it was crazy. He did a good job, man. I really liked it. All right, with the the UFC wrapped up, uh, you know, I just have one more question for you before I let you go uh, back to being on the island. Um, <laughs> last week there was a uh, an announcement made by the legendary boxer Mike Tyson. I don't know if you know him. I know you don't follow boxing that much, um, but he's going to be stepped tattoo on his face. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I remember him. He was in the Hangover movie. Oh yeah, he seems pretty nice. Yeah, he's a nice dude. I don't understand what the uh, why everyone says he's crazy. So he is going to fight uh, after 
15 years of retirement. He's stepping back into the ring to fight Roy Jones Jr., um, hmm. famous rapper Roy Jones Jr. So do you have an opinion on this? Like, how is this going to... I mean, a professional boxer against a rapper any day should just be against the law, right? A former boxer... Well, like, technically, he just had one rap song, right? That was fairly decent. Uh, but he, he, was mostly, he was more of a boxer than a rapper. Uh, mm. So he, he's actually a famous boxer. Yes. He's got, like, credentials and, like, titles. And at one point, uh, probably the uh, saddest loss because of uh, Japanese mafia in the Olympics. But that's a whole different story. <laughs> All right, so joking aside, I, I'm a fan of Mike Tyson. I watched him fight. You know, I could, walk, I could go back and watch a lot of his fights today and still be entertained by him. And Roy Jones Jr. the same way. Uh, he's the actual guy who actually made me like boxing whenever I was younger. And then, I, you know, I was a little bit late to the Tyson game because I was a kid. I was born in 86. So, um, Jones, oh, man. Jones Jr., Roy Jones Jr., and Mike Tyson, man, I don't really want to see two old guys go out there and beat each other up, but, man, have you seen the training videos from Tyson? They they look, it yeah. looks like he's never lost a step. I mean, obviously he has, and obviously the power is still there. It's the last thing to go. But, man, I, I really hope Roy Jones has kept his mind in the boxing game and been in training too because based off what we've seen, this is not a – this is not a Ortiz and Liddell three where it looked like Liddell was just barely trying to do anything. I mean, I don't want to see another fight like that happen to anybody. I don't care. And for these two 50 year old guys to go out there, I'm like, man, I'm kind of concerned for it, but you know, they're signing off on it now. I'm going to get him, get on it too. Cause why not? It's Iron Mike. Yeah. I think it'd be uh, exciting to finally see like a live Tyson event. Right. I'm not too excited to like, because I know the undercard is going to have like one of the Paul brothers versus an NBA star um, oh, Jesus. on the undercard. But it, it's exciting to see a Tyson fight, you know, live. Um, I have seen the video clips you're talking about. The interesting part about it, what I got out of it is, uh, you know, I, I do pay attention to a lot of fighters and how they move, and I, I watch training footage. Um, I don't know why. I'm, I don't, I'm not a fighter myself. <laughs> But I do like watching it, and I do like analyzing it. And uh, one of the the interesting parts, one of the interesting takes that I could I could say is that with the Tyson footage, if you watch it, obviously he's got the speed. Obviously he still has power. The speed's not not quite as there as it used to be, right? And he is punching a you know the heavy bag, um, and you do see him throw mitts, but you don't see anybody throw anything back, right? And it's super easy to make somebody look super good at mitts if you have the right person holding the mitts, right? And Mike Tyson's sure. not going to get somebody off the, off the street to hold some pads for him just to do it, right? Um, he's going to get somebody to actually, like, knows what they're doing, to be in there with him, to actually make him look good. And, you know, he's, he's got the speed. He's got power, um, but I don't know exactly how good he is because we don't see any footage of him moving around. We see him going in a straight line. There's no footage of him dancing with somebody. There's nobody 
throwing a jab at him at, from range. I don't know exactly what he, what he's done. I am excited to see him back in the ring. I am excited to see him. Uh, when I saw the footage of him uh, with the gloves on and he's hitting the heavy bag and it, it, it he's making he's it's very close not not like the old footage but he's very close to making one punch sound like two you're like oh or two punches sound like one you're like uh wow this is this is interesting i don't i, I don't think he'll be like a, another george foreman story where he comes back and wins the title i don't think that will happen but i am excited to see uh, I, you know, I know Tyson looks good, but I don't know um, exactly how Roy Jones Jr. is going to fare. I mean, like, how is he kept up? How is how is he, you know, trained over? I think he's we got two years off. I think, um, you know, he's always been a small dude. He was he fought heavyweight once or twice, I think, but he's never uh, like he was never an actual heavyweight. Uh, and I know his chin's been questionable the last few just like times. He got uh, really cracked. It was pretty much game over. Um, there was no, I don't think he really got up after the guy really cracked him. So I, it's just, it's very questionable if Tyson still has the speed, power, how that's going to transfer over to a guy who I believe fought for at 165 most of his career. I'm always going to want to watch Tyson fight, but man, I'm really on the fence about old fighters fighting continuously and well past the point that they need to be fighting unless money's the issue, man. And at that point, my heart gets broken on it. But as somebody who likes combat sports, how do you not want to watch Iron Mike Tyson fight again? Depending, I mean, regardless of what it is, I mean, like the dude could get in a street fight right now, level three people. And I'd be like, Oh my God, that was awesome. So, I mean, I always want to see Tyson fight, but depending on how they do this, if it's an exhibition or it's supposed going, to be an exhibition. I mean, how many rounds are we talking? Are we talking 15, 12 rounds? What are we doing here, man? I highly doubt it's going to go past 10. All right. I would say maybe seven at the most. As long as they keep it reasonable, I'm okay for it because, you know, two consenting adults, not much I can do about that. But yeah, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited to see Roy Jones get in there, you know, dust the cobwebs off and see if he's still getting what. The only, only bad thing about these guys getting in there is if they go in there and they fight like they used to, exactly like they used to, I mean, you got 30 videos you could pull from just to watch to see how they move and learn. So, I mean, you can go back and watch how Tyson ran through everybody. Everybody. You can go and watch how Roy Jones put up so many hellaciously good fights and then learn from those if you're on the other side. So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool stuff that could happen here. And I, I would, I like to see the build up whenever they like show old footage, see how this is going to go. I mean, it's going to be know, interesting. Like, I think style wise, this would have been insane to watch say 20 years ago, right? This would have been something like, uh, you would, you would never think would happen. Right. And but I don't know how it translates now. I'm always going to want to watch it, so let's see what happens. What they they said a date. I'm going to watch it. Uh, I think it's in September or October. So it is Mike Tyson to face Roy Jones Jr. in September 12th exhibition, according to ESPN. Alrighty. Do you have anything you want to say uh, specifically to our uh, our fans since uh, I got you here for the last couple of moments? 
You know, honestly, this past COVID stuff, all this Corona stuff that's happening right now, it sucks. But look at all the fights we get, man. If you're a fight fan, these these guys are the only sport on TV right now. I'm, to be honest with you, I'm having a good time, even despite all this quarantine stuff, just because we were getting one pay-per-view a month and we were getting maybe two fight cards, sometimes three. And we're getting them almost every week now. I mean, we get a week off here and there. Remember those long lulls at the end of the year? You'd be like, oh, man, I got three weeks without fights. What do we do with ourselves? This has been this has just been like Christmas after Christmas after Christmas. Like every it's month. It's usually like, like August through probably like September. You know, it was a good like two months where it was just bare normally in the UFC. Where like nothing would happen, maybe one or two fight cards. But from the looks of it, we're going to have a lot more because they're making up for the, what, two, two and a half months. Yeah. That they couldn't fight, but man, yeah. I'm, just, I'm, I'm enjoying this dude. If they, if they put out two fight nights a month at a pay-per-view, I'd be ecstatic. Cause that's a lot of fights. That's, that's three weekends out of four, possibly five, depending on the month. And then you got at least, how many fights put on a card, at least 12 fights on a card. Usually it's 36 fights a month. That's awesome. That's really cool. 62 fucking people getting in there and banging it out. Oh, yeah. And not at once, but, you know. <laughs> that's, a Royal Rumble? That's, yeah, it's called a Royal Rumble, man. Uh, hmm. Hey, Dana, I got an idea for you. <laughs> the Russians already do it. They dress them up all, as... Uh, just throw all the heavyweights in the same one at the same time. Why? You just going to see a couple big dudes like dance around each other and get tired? Yeah, I just watch all the heavyweights get in there, duke it out for a minute, and the last one standing got to fight Ngannou. You get uh, uh, five, probably three minutes of them swinging, and then about probably the the rest of it, the whole 17 minutes and 30 seconds of them huffing and puffing and, like, cage work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the cage just, fight, just opens up like one of those ketchup things. <laughs> <laughs> the sides just explode. <laughs> Oh, it'd be like a hell on a cell match where that thing came apart. That was a cage match. They don't even do cage matches anymore, do they? Uh, they they not, do. Not of the old school they ones. Do a, they have to do the full chain length ones now. Yeah, they don't have the blue bar ones. Remember those? Yeah. Uh, though apparently that that hurts a hell of a lot worse than the uh, the cage, the the chain link ones. So they they went because yeah, they, they flex. <laughs> the chain link flexes. Yeah. When they hit it, they're just like, okay, we're good. I mean, look what they do on the look what they do in the UFC. They they lean up against it, like they get all their momentum, like boink, bounce yeah. off of it. That was the big. Uh, a lot of people got hurt, and uh, if you watch a lot of those old uh, cage matches like that, oh, when they would throw them into the cage, the whole cage would rattle because, <laughs> like, you're getting thrown into just these bars, and it's just transferring to all the all the sides. So those, and, it's those uh, cattle guards that keep yeah, fucking cattle in their lanes. There's a couple matches you can watch of like old house shows where people get thrown in the cage and like the back of their head gets busted open because they just like slam against it and you're like, yeah, let's change that. Well, with the fight cards being done, I'm looking forward to what's coming next. So this is where the uh, unfortunately the (laughs) the audio uh, cut out for the rest of it and it was mostly him just saying, you know, thank you guys for listening. And dropping his uh, follow us at uh, Hooked JP and Hooked Justin. Um, again, thank you guys for um, tuning in. I know uh, uh, it's we've had a couple of times where there's been big gaps 
in between our episodes. And it's just because, you know, life and uh, honestly, the last time it was just very bad timing because we dropped that. Um, and then like the next week they were like, everything shut down. It's, it was bad. It, you know, it was just horrible timing on our part. And, uh, now that, uh, we have more control over, uh, exactly what we're doing here and I have uh, a little bit of better equipment and I can have more easy access to it. Hopefully, um, I'll be dropping them more and more as we go forward. But uh, thank you guys for the, to the people that actually uh, follow us or continue to. Um, you know, just thanks for listening. Like, share, subscribe. Um, you know, tell a friend if you want. Uh, you know, we do this because we just like talking uh, about it. It's um, one of our favorite sports. And honestly, it's a passion of mine to uh, uh, follow it. And I just I want to hear your opinions as well. Um, don't be afraid to comment on the videos. I know, um, you know, we don't have any, uh, flashy, uh, actual graphics or anything yet. Um, we're still working on it. You know, this is kind of a homebrew type of a situation. So hopefully eventually I'll have something that like you can look at, um, that's presentable, everything, you know, it, it's a step at a time type situation as, as, a, as of right now. Um, but thank you guys for listening. 